Saturday evening and the uh, tomorrow Sunday the and the um, no doubt the number of people coming to offer food and sankadana as usual on Sunday all through the week there's been people offering things and I just Contemplating this, uh, uh, you know, the the life of a samana, where you, the alms mendicant, where you um, develop this uh, gratitude, this sense of katanyu uh, gatavati for the for what is offered. And then comparing that to, say, the more, say, attainment-oriented approach to Buddhist practice where you you really go on meditation retreats and try to get, you know, really concentrated and have insights and, and uh, with techniques and the idea of working really hard in order to, to get something from it. And so the, uh, I noticed that the the one the kind of attainment oriented style uh, gives me a headache usually. I get it kind of like I get tension in my head, and uh, and I get cr- kind of cross. Then. <laughs> uh, where the uh, the reflection on the gratitude and being content with what is offered, it makes me feel very relaxed and pleasant and kind of uh, happy and uh, uh, friendly rather than crabby. I noticed the other morning I came, I really, before the dawn, I really practiced hard and I got really concentrated very peaceful in here. And then I went in to the sala and there were people waiting there and I and I felt really crabby. <laughs> because I'd been so concentrated here and then have to kind of go in, into a coarser mode like, you know, dropping down a few notches into 
uh, unless uh, it, you know just being kind of normal again was uh, felt this uh, sense of being kind of grumpy about it all. This evening, coming in here, just, uh, just be grateful to have a place to sit in a nice temple. As, uh, after the evening chanting, I express my gratitude to have a nice place to sit right in front of the Buddha Rupa. And then, uh, uh, having such a nice temple too, and, uh, and having uh, fellow seminars here to share this with gratitude and the feeling of peace permeated the, the mind. A uh, sense of contentment and uh, gratitude was uh, was the was the exp- was the result rather than uh, say uh, a highly concentrated state which which uh, also is uh, you know has is very nice but also it it tends to uh, not work so well in ordinary conditions. So contentment, uh, gratitude are qualities of the samana life, the monastic commitment. The purpose of alms mendicancy is because it is uh, making ourselves Choosing to live in a way that we're dependent <coughs> on, what, say, the uh, what is offered for requisites, then we, when we really develop that dial as an alms mendicant, uh, we, it brings a lot of contentment into the heart. You feel content and, and happy with what you have. Gratitude, katanyagatavati, makes the heart kind of open and and uh, and you feel friendly to people. You feel grateful for the kindness or the things that they, the the, the things that the good things that are made available. So just reflecting on this, just the difference between, say, the alms mendicant style, which, uh, you know, if developed properly, then leads to contentment, which is a, a peacefulness. It's not a... It, uh, we, we, you can't be peaceful if you're not content. If you're not content right now, then you, you can get tranquil through concentrating the mind... You know, through just making the mind very one-pointed and more refined, and you get concentrated. But it's not contentment that you're getting. You're getting tranquility and concentration, which then is lost, and uh, and and therefore it it uh, creates this tension in your mind. You know, of having lost something that you quite enjoyed, and. Uh, and then uh, 
like I say again, you can get quite grumpy or resentful towards the things that, that kind of you had to to let go or 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 the thing that interrupted the the refined state you were in. Where contentment isn't like that, and it's not a it's not refined in itself. It's a it's a kind of being here and with the present and with the way it is. Remember I had you know, last year in Thailand somebody gave me some very nice cotton material to make a robe and then they, we had robes made in Bangkok a very nice um, three robes a uh, uh, made of this cotton cloth, which was very nice color, pure cotton, unmixed with synthetic uh, fibers. And uh, but the thing was, the robe was uh, pure cotton <coughs> tends to bunch up and get wrinkled a lot. And uh, and the robe was a bit too small, so so the past year I had this robe that I always had trouble keeping keeping it together. And and then coming back to England, where you're wearing this the more thick things like jumpers and these unsas uh, to make it to to roll it up and put it over your shoulder. Uh, so that it looks nice, it never looked very good because it's always kind of falling off here and and uh, a bit too short. And then also, even though it had been a nice color, the color actually faded. It's getting to be kind of a kind of a sickly color. <laughs> but I managed to be content with it for. <laughs> And then I decided, I found this other robe. This is much bigger, and it's, I think it's synthetic material. But uh, it's, I feel so content with this robe because it's so easy to keep on. You know, and you look at this robe and think how nice it is to put on because it stays on and you can keep a nice roll here. And, and the color doesn't fade out like it, pure cotton does. And so, Look at my little contentments of this nature. Is reading uh, this this book called uh, something about enlightened masters. It's a whole kind of book, thick book, recently published on people in a religious uh, spectrum of life in this time, and dating back to the previous century. Uh, Western, mainly Western people, but also includes some of the Asian masters who actually you know, affected Western people in 
taught Western people to uh, meditate in Buddhism and Hinduism, Sufism, and uh, and I'm I'm in this book. There's a section on me, enlightened masters, and <laughs> that's uh, quite sweet, isn't it, to be included in an anthology? But the uh, it was interesting just reading some of the biographical sketches of people who, and they have it divided up into various types, like the like uh, Theravada Buddhism is under the uh, kind of what's called structured and cool categories. We're structured, we use structure and we're cool. Then there's unstructured and hot. And that's more like um, Da Frijan and and Bhagavan Rajanish, people like that unstructured and hot and uh, I suppose it's structured and hot and unstructured and cool, I don't know but anyway the um, and reading some of the unstructured and hot uh, type of teachings <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and they are uh, oftentimes people who've had kind of powerful some kind of powerful religious experience uh, kind of um, like Kundalini or or some some strong uh, experience and have uh, developed uh, or have been with some teacher or something then then went off on their own to to start their own cult or their own group <coughs> and how these uh, these various things that you, you know you hear hear about them now. There's so 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 many of them in these different cults and different teachers and teaching various form, calling it Sufism or or um, uh, you know m- mixing it with various uh, different things together. And with the sound of silence, there's, there's several several other one one I found out was when. When we were in, uh, before coming to Amaravati, there's this group down in uh, Bogna Regis called Ishvara. And uh, Ishvara was an Irishman called uh, John Yar who, who claimed to be Ishvara, which is God. <laughs> and uh, And I remember that they lived in Bogna Regis, and the, and the newspaper had this, thought this was hilarious, you know. You have to be English to appreciate the humor of this, because uh, it says, uh, God is alive and well in Bogna Regis, and he's Irish. I remember that, uh, that Ishvara's people used to come to Chitters sometime. They used to be quite aggressive. And, uh, the, they, they'd usually sit there and then in the shrine room at Chitters and then they'd ask very kind of questions in a very aggressive, uh, contending way. And, uh, 
and the, so it, you know, I felt you always felt unpleasant around them because they, there wasn't they like they didn't ever listen. They just had they came with their agenda already, you know, established, and obviously they were trying to convert us. And then uh, I never met uh, Ishvara or that, but I met just a few people that managed to, that they were sent to Chitters at that time. And then it, then suddenly it all collapsed and every man in a scandal because Ishvara was uh, having sexual relations with some of his uh, lady disciples and uh, with quite a few of them and and then and then, and they didn't. In each one thought she was the only one, and uh, and they all found out that they weren't. And then, you know what? Hit the fan, <laughs> and and then they, uh, uh, and it all kind of disappeared overnight, and they never heard of it again. And they they developed this uh, meditation around the sound of silence, and so you know this learning, you know how to, like with with many, uh, the and there's other groups that use it in in terms of making it into a kind of the voice of God or something like that, so that it it. Uh, the attitude towards it is one of, uh, of, um, say, maybe making it into some kind of attainment or, or something uh, uh, on a level of, of, uh, feeling one, oneself has, has, has attained uh, uh, ultimate truth or enlightenment through, through this. And uh, so comparing that with the uh, structured cool approach of Theravada Buddhism, and and I come across quite well in this book, actually. It's not, uh, I come out quite quite all right as structured and cool and orthodox. And, uh, um, but the, the, one really appreciates the, the Buddhist uh, the, the the idea of right understanding in Buddhism, how important that is is made in the in, in the monastic form, even though it's a highly structured monastic form with a with a, this uh, vinaya training, it does keep you from overestimating or from uh, from making claims. So. The whole emphasis on anatta and the Buddhist Buddhist refraining from creating uh, kind of metaphysical doctrines, but using noble truths uh, rather than metaphysical doctrines, so that the uh, the experience of suffering, which isn't which isn't a, an advanced uh, realization, is it? Suffering is. Is ordinary human experience. Uh, so that's a noble truth, first noble truth. It's not a metaphysical doctrine. <clears throat> and uh, then, uh, then using suffering, using that as the kind of 
clue or the key to the door, so you, you, changing your attitude towards suffering, towards understanding it, rather than just trying to avoid it and get rid of it, you realize non-suffering. So the ultimate realization is the realization of non-suffering, or uh, nibbana. Now, nibbana tends to get elevated into an attainment. And that's what keep warning you know against seeing these things in terms of attainment, but in terms of of uh, increasing uh, mindfulness and and relinquishing rather than than attaining. Then investigating with the sound of silence, it does help you to 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 reach the kind of the the end of your thinking mind, where you you suddenly you're you're aware and concentrated in a state of a pure attention, and uh, which is a which isn't a an absorbed state, but it's a it's a, a state where you can reflect and observe. So then the, the self-view does, uh, you know, just by contemplating sakaya ditti, or personality view, uh, the sense of I am uh, a person, a, uh, a man, a woman, uh, a, a monk or a nun or an American or an Englishman or whatever, all these things are seen in terms of condition arising, ceasing, rather than uh, given any any kind of significance or priorities in the spiritual life. So the the idea of I have attained something falls flat, doesn't it? When you when you're really mindful, uh, even if you should think I have attained. Uh, I am the enlightened one. Here, uh, that would that wouldn't have any ground for development because uh, that very thought uh, is something that you've you've investigated. This, the uh, the the sakaya ditti, the personality view. So therefore, the the. Uh, uh, that in uh, in the Vinaya, like from bhikkhus to claim that they've attained states, is forbidden. And if you if you're doing it and you haven't, like if you if you have if you claim to be uh, one who's attained some advanced state, and you're doing it just to lie and 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 to delude the people intentionally, then it's a disrobing offense. It's one of the four varachika offenses, the utri manusa dhamma offense. But it has to be kind of a kind of determined effort to delude. It's not a not like overestimation or a mistake, but a deliberate uh, intention to lie in order to. Uh, influence other people. So, uh, that's, that's a disrobing offense. Also, like, uh, uh, sexual intercourse for, for a celibate, uh, monk or nun is a disrobing offense. 
and the, the, the uh, you, you, or, or stealing, stealing, intentionally stealing something, uh, well, you know, and, and then, uh, killing some human being, or having some human being killed through the mafia or something is a disrobing offense. So these these those are quite those are called heavy offenses, uh, you know. So that this is uh, the the idea that say this kind of antinomian uh, approach of the hot unstructured style, where you know the idea that once you you've attained, you're so high you can do anything. You know, you can have sexual relations with people because you're. You no longer you you're you're beyond the moral limits. <clears throat> Morality doesn't apply to your life anymore. Once you reach enlightenment, this would be like the hot, unstructured approach. <laughs> what they call antinomianism in Christianity, right? where you you you. You've reached a state where you're beyond the moral law. But in uh, Theravada Buddhism, uh, this, uh, even the, the Arhat, uh, you know, has never, is never kind of freed from the limits of the Vinaya. You know, not like, once you're an Arhat, you don't have to keep the Vinaya anymore, or anything like that. Uh, so that this this uh, this this keeps everything in a very kind of uh, cool state. Um, and it, it also it creates the, the sense of, uh, of of simplicity and and non-overestimation. Sometimes it, one does have experiences where you feel you're very enlightened and. You overestimate yourself, and and uh, that happens. Uh, that happened to me in the early years. You know, so you you kind of think you're you're very advanced, or that when you when you're not. But but because of the uh, structured coolness of Theravada Buddhism, uh, it never got out of hand. One began. One had. One, one wasn't encouraged to operate from that. Perception. Uh, remember, like Ajahn Chah, when when that would happen to various monks uh, in Thailand, when they felt they were enlightened, and well, he he just uh, make sure they didn't talk to anybody and kind of <laughs> cool down a bit. It'll wear off. <laughs> you know, it's just from some uh, inflated sense of their own attainment. Uh, ba- you know, not based on intention to delude, but on belief. Then it's not a disrobing offense. So in uh, Theravada, you're not uh, the idea of claiming, uh, and 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 even uh, you know having uh, uh, positions of like arahants can sit higher than. Anagamis, or uh, uh, Sotapanas 
can sit higher than uh, monks and nuns who haven't uh, realized the stream entry yet. And that we're not we're not sitting in uh, yeah, according to our realization in the in the sangha. So uh, you know you, you think you know like in um, monastic life you can think um, well I'm you know I'm I'm much wiser than that that one there and he but he's He's sitting higher than I am. Uh, when you start listening to that, you know, this is uh, Sakyaditi, isn't it? I remember uh, in my second or third year, I was with this monk who was uh, a senior monk, but he was uh, uh, a kind of crude and and, uh, and rough character and uh, very irritating person to live with and uh, so I I began to think I was you know he that, that I didn't want to bow to him anymore because uh, I didn't think he was worthy enough and then I listened to myself I listened I thought I, I listened to myself thinking that, that you think that he's not worthy of your bow then who do you think you are <laughs> <laughs> you think who, who is worthy of your bow, Sumedho? Ajahn Chah. Yeah, you bow Ajahn Chah. He's worthy of my bow. That's, that's real conceit, isn't it? You know, so I'm only going to bow to those that I feel are worthy of my bow. <laughs> Carry it out. It's really disgusting, isn't it? <laughs> I think I'm so, you know, my bow is so special that I'm not going to just give it to any any monk that comes along. Yeah. So then the uh, idea of bowing in terms of seniority and and all that is is just uh, is just a practical convention to avoid all that conceit and and the problems that come from. Who's attained and who isn't? Who's realized and who's not? Who's a stream enterer? Who's an arahant? And some people, uh, you know, some people claim to be these things. Should we bow to them because they've claimed it? Or uh, some, you know, Lung Chan never said anything. Now that's what is it? What was he an arahant? He just he wouldn't he wouldn't uh, he wouldn't come from that uh, kind of. Uh, Thinking. Because it always make you look at, you know, why you wanted, why, why, why did you want to know? So that, that, uh, the, even if the, the, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, the, the senior monk and that can be even, um, you know, quite a unpleasant person in himself. But when it comes to the the ceremony and the and the convention, then we do the proper thing, and that saves us from uh, 
following our own opinions, our own emotional feelings in the present. And it, and it creates, uh, it makes life much more easy than if we uh, are so uppity and snooty that we think, I'm only going to bow to the very best. And the ones that I don't think are, are any good, I'm not going to bow to, we bow to who's senior. And that, that makes it simple. Also, I found one time a, uh, um, a Thai monk came here and, uh, who's, who's quite, uh, well known, but he was, he, you know, but he was junior to me and, but he was quite, he wasn't very much junior, like a year or so. And so, you know, I said, you don't, you don't have to bow. And he wanted to pay respect to me. He said, you know, don't bother. And he said, oh, he said, but I want to. He said, I, I am, you know, usually people are bowing at me and I seldom get a chance to bow to another monk. I really want to, this is my pleasure. You know, that really impressed me that he, he, he wasn't taking himself as a kind of, I'm, well, I'm, you know, a famous Ajahn from Thailand and, and more, more uh, kind of, Probably more respected than Ajahn Sumato, so why should I bow to him? He was he was <laughs> saying it as an opportunity, uh, a joyful opportunity, rather than a perfunctory duty, or to think it wasn't necessary because um, we were close enough that you don't, it wasn't, you know, obligatory to do that. So you think, what is beautiful behavior, and uh, you know what is what, what is what is really beautiful in in our human state, in ourselves? And when I when I see you know when I think that I'm that I'm too good to bow to a certain monk, is that I don't find that beautiful as a you know. It, is something that I want to follow and promote. That uh, to 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 have the conceit that somehow this monk is not as good as I am, so I, I'm not going to bow to him. That's not something I find. Uh, even though I'm quite capable of having such thoughts, they're not. That's not the kind of thinking that I would want to uh, follow and encourage. Because in the long run, we get back to contentment and the gratitude and the more humbling uh, qualities of life in the, in the samana life. I mean, we can we can become think ourselves very important because uh, we're we're samanas, we're people living the holy life. We're celibate. We keep high standard of morality. We're uh, we're in a very we're in a structured and cool tradition. We're disciples of Ajahn Chah. Uh, we're Orthodox, <laughs> and all uh, that, you know. And we uh, and people uh, bow to us, you know, so we can we can think people pay respect to us, things like that. So. 
you know, one can become uh, supercilious uh, in this life. You know, thinking that, you know, seeing it as some kind of position that we have in the society that puts us above the rest. Like a priesthood would be, isn't it? We think of it maybe like, I never liked to think of myself as a priest. Sri Lankans always call us priests, but I never, never liked that very much because it's, we're not a priesthood. We're not like a ceremonial caste of, uh, that, that performs a, uh, that has a, a status in the, in the social structure. Like the Brahmin priests, isn't it, in the Hindu caste system. But in, when the Buddha established the bhikkhu, uh, it was uh, the samana. It was it was stepping outside the the structure, the social structure, isn't it? The caste system. That's so not a priesthood, uh, but it, it, it's uh, what in in uh, Pali terms, it's samana, or in uh, in uh, English monastic life. Alms mendicancy, alms mendicants. So we're, and then the word bhikkhu, bhikkhuni is like beggar. I mean, it means one who's dependent on alms. So you can translate it even as a beggar. We get a begging bowl when we ordain. When I give you the, when I give you the permission, I give you a begging bowl. But some people don't like that. It's not a begging bowl. It's an alms bowl. Sometimes I like to, I like deliberately think of myself as a beggar. Not in terms of, of someone who's going out and begging for things, but in terms of one who's dependent. Because, uh, and just to, to keep some perspective on what I'm, what I've chosen to live by. Um, one who is dependent on uh, the kindness of others, not one who's, you know, there's different uh, begging isn't isn't really the uh, a good translation, but it's a but it's allowable reflection in terms of the English language because begging is really low, isn't it? To be a beggar is just about admitting you're you're a social outcast. You're no good in the Western terms. But in, in as alms mendicants, then we're uh, and 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 we have no so we our social status does not follow us into a monastic life, does it? Whether you were rich or poor or high class or low class or whatever is of no significance in this life. There's no 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 importance. So then the uh, the uh, our life is through through uh, you know our, we alms are given to us. 
because people respect what we're doing. But we're not worthy of respect if we're just using the life for, you know, taking it for granted or or just as an easy ride, just, <clears throat> just as a way to live, you know, to have an easy life or an easy ride. And the, the actual uh, the life itself, it means that that we're worthy through our determination uh, and and intention to practice the holy life. So in in that way, we're uh, I, I used to find it quite amusing with with Master Shunhua, uh, the Chinese master in in California. That I became very fond of, and he was, uh, he was, um, you know, he was in his eighties, and very famous, very highly regarded uh, meditation master in Taiwan and in China and in Hong Kong and Malaysia, and uh, he was, uh, you know, in the Chinese. Uh, uh, Mahayana tradition. He was he was a very highly regarded monk, and so when when I went to see him in California, you know, I want I I use my Theravadan uh, style, so I I want to pay respect, so I'd get down on the floor uh, to bow to him, and then he'd get down on the floor and bow to me at the same time. <laughs> I thought, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I, never could, I, I never could quite convince him. It seemed, he seemed to want to do that. And, and uh, <laughs> you don't have to bow to me. And he, he uh, obviously that wasn't uh, uh, such an such a important uh, uh, structure in the in the Mahayana. But like all these conventions, you know, they are they are for uh, humility, not for pride and. Uh, a life of a samana, we could be proud that we're samanas, but that would be defeating the whole purpose, isn't it? It's, it's to be humble and grateful for what is offered. Uh, so, and 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 just in that ability we have, like like I was saying before, just sitting and being just content with having a place to sit, and whatever place you're sitting. It's not that you have to sit in the center like I do, <laughs> but, just, but just have a place to sit. Just that kind of reflection uh, will, uh, will bring a, a sense of contentment to the heart. Uh, just uh, rather than like in, in uh, sometimes like it's interesting with these uh, uh, women's conferences that some of the Silandaras go to, and, and uh, where you have bhikkhuni 
Western bhikkhunis and uh, women who, uh, you know, who have a higher, you know, on the conventional level of bhikkhunis, and then nobody quite, know, quite knows what to do with the silandara. So they, like in India one time, I remember they were all, like Sister Sundra was, went to this nun's conference and and she was, she's the only one that kept Vinay of all those women. But she was put at the very end of the line, you know. Uh, and so, uh, you know, she seemed to, to handle it very well. But, you know, one could get very uppity and upset by that and thinking, you know, I, well, I, you know, you know, I'm, I'm more pure in my rules than you are, so why should you banish me to the end of the line? It is one way of looking at it and, and, uh, and making yourself miserable about it. Or to contemplate, just maybe to have, just be given a place to sit, be grateful for that. <laughs> and, uh, which one brings contentment, you know? And, of course, it, it doesn't mean that you can't admit what you're feeling. If you're one feeling upset or, uh, or annoyed by the fact that one isn't being respected, that also can be seen to be recognized and, and, uh, to be admitted, you know, in the mind, but not something to, uh, to hold on to. Because the important thing in this in this life is is liberation, not not in trying to to uh, make everything right and fair and and make all you know try to get it all together on the externals, but to use the experiences that we have for reflection and um, to develop. And to, to contemplate, you know, the, your, your, to really make your intention for what you're doing very clear. And then to um, develop, um, through reflecting uh, on the way things are, this sense of, of gratitude is something that, that you have to contemplate, think about, to remember it. Like, in the, like tomorrow, say, in the, uh, when the people bring the food, just contemplate that the people, you know, probably this evening preparing food uh, to bring here tomorrow to offer us and, and uh, just uh, to recognize the, the good intention of offering. Uh, and usually people try to give us what they think is the very best that they can get. You know, as far as food goes, we we think about, we contemplate that the the act of giving, the goodness.
So, uh, you know, see that like the world is hierarchical and structured and the, the conditioned realm is based on levels and stages and that. So there's, you know, good, better, best, bad, worse, worst. Uh, and there's, uh, where there's uh, day, there's night, there's male and female, there's, there's uh, good and bad and there's all this so that this conditioned realm is is an endless variety of conditions, changing conditions. So that is the nature of conditions, you know. That uh, and there's always, you know, this sense of of something's better than something else, or that something's not as good, or oneself that there's somebody better, somebody wiser, somebody senior, somebody uh, more intelligent, somebody more skilled. And then you, then there's also the, the anxiety around the, um, or the feeling of that you're better than somebody else. But this is the, this is the thinking mind, this is Sakaya Ditti, uh, that we can begin to recognize as as a condition that we might be experiencing, but it is, uh, it's, it no longer has the, the impact and the reality that, that it would have if we didn't reflect on it and see it, put it in as uh, whatever arises, well, subject to arising, subject to ceasing, and is not so. So once you really, uh, know that, then, the path is very clear, you know, the way to practice. The manga is very clear uh, because you you have that perspective. You're not going to believe. Uh, you're still going to have emo- selfish emotions come up and feel anger and lust and, and uh, conceit and envy and, and all the rest, but you're... You're looking at it in terms of what it re- is as experience. It's changing, isn't it? Whatever, no matter how unpleasant or foolish or unwanted it might be, it is, all conditions are in this the flux and changingness. And the ability we have through awareness to observe more and more we 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 trust in that simple state of attention, cool attention, wise attention. And then this this form, this uh, structured and cool form that we have, is uh, uh, is really quite you know not to make any. Into and make much out of it, but recognize it is simple. It's good. It works, and and it and, and it uh, it's something that that uh, is conducive if used rightly. It's conducive to to awareness. Now it protects us too, and if we. It's easy to, you know, if we didn't have structure, 
to follow, then we we tend to we would easily get caught up in maybe our own desire to be an enlightened person and go out and and uh, do some ability to a uh, charismatic abilities to attract a following of people and and have a cult of some sort or or try or we can think maybe I'm here to start a new religion the the new age religion we can, we can put it in terms like that I'm specially appointed by God to um, bring light into this world at the end of the millennium and uh, that you know that doesn't appeal to me at all actually <laughs> but if, but if um, you know if one some people want want to be special like that so so but in the say the the structure that we have if one if one does start thinking like that you have a way of reflecting seeing it for what it is rather than than believing it and acting on it so even even in within the monastic life you know the 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 enlightened masters and the and uh, the monks have been you know monks for years and have understood the Dhamma still live within the structure it's not like they, they don't well I can throw the structure out because I'm so advanced but so you don't know like in Theravada it's quite uh, even the Sangharaja of Thailand uh, looks like an ordinary monk doesn't wear a crown on his head <laughs> If you passed him in a crowd, you'd just think he was another monk. He wouldn't, he wouldn't realize he's the supreme patriarch of Thailand. <laughs> he wears this color robe, too. He doesn't wear it. He doesn't even wear a, some, some monks wear, you know, pretty posh looking robes. Thai silk and all that. Dazzling orange. <laughs> But the Sangharaja of Thailand, he was, he's, he, he, uh, is, uh, where is this, this kind of old, uh, dun colored forest type robes. They do put you in, in palatial places, but, but that's a, you know, it's not, but the sense of, of gratitude, isn't it? A roof for the night rather than my palace. So just encouraging that this, uh, you to, to, uh, to really to contemplate, you know, like Katanya Gataweti, gratitude and contentment. Uh, so that these these are very important, really, in this life. Uh, that that give it a quality and a joy that you you do you won't have, you won't like this life for very long. 
if if you don't develop those those uh, qualities of gratitude and contentment with with a few things, gratitude for the kind the act of giving, the requisites offered, and and contentment with what you have, and then then the that the, that is a as a foundation for the holy life, then uh, then you won't get stuck into just trying to attain states and uh, and and make the life into a, an endless kind of challenge and uh, stressful uh, experience that we tend to do when we when we're not. When we're not great, when we're not have not developed gratitude and contentment with, with the simplicity, uh, and the goodness of our life, so for this as a reflection.